Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into autonomous vehicles and we'll be discussing the safe deployment of autonomous vehicles. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by the chairman of Guidant. Uh, Guidant is a tech capital portfolio company. Of course, tech capital is listed on the AIM market here in London. So Harold Braun, chairman of Guidant, very much welcoming you to the podcast today. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Happy to be here. So, Harold, we're going to be discussing guidance technology in some detail. We're going to be looking at the wider industry. We're also going to be looking at the world's biggest technology event, which you participated in uh, just in the last week, CES over in America. We're going to be talking about what you saw there and the relevance to guidance. But before we get into the details, Harold, please would you be able to give us an introduction, first of all, to guidance, and also a little introduction to yourself and, and your experience? Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah, my name is Harold Brown. I'm originally from Germany. I'm also an American citizen. I live here in Boca Raton, uh, Florida, since uh, more than 20 years. Uh, I came over from actually from Asia. So I was, um, um, you know, handling for um, Siemens, the Asian market. And then um, I got a call to be the president and CEO of Siemens Communication here in the US. And the headquarter of uh, Siemens Communication was here in Boca Raton. So that um, was, of course, uh, very good, a very attractive market in telecommunication. So and I have been all my life here in telecommunication. Um, you know, from the beginning, more than 40 years now. So, and um, have seen a lot, you can imagine. And um, so um, then after Siemens, uh, we created another company. I created um, uh, Harris Tritex Networks, which was a mobile backhaul company, uh, put two companies together. That was when I left 2008 Siemens because they, there was a merger between Siemens and Nokia. And so I created my own company. Uh, they, um, we brought them to Nest still the NASDAQ, AV and W, RVAT Networks. So wonderful, um, let's say, career in uh, telecommunication. And in 2019, actually, we founded um, Guidant. And uh, for me, um, uh, being that long in telecommunication, everything is connected. And um, I was thinking all the time, what is not connected really yet? where I believe that that needs to be connected. And there are, in principle, um, a couple of, um, 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 you know, use cases which I thought would be worthwhile to do it out of different reasons. We might get into that later on, one of which was um, uh, connected cars. So, and uh, so that um, was the start. Um, where I then interacted with uh, Tech Capital, with uh, Dr. Gross, and uh, we created, in principle, the company Guidant uh, 2019. And, uh, and we had a very good run since then, because the industry is uh, actually evolving and developing very strongly. And um, so that, um, that happened 2019. 
And in Guidant, we have uh, created a company which, which your question was, is a software company. We develop software on top of autonomous vehicle software in uh, this autonomous vehicles. So we are not developing and we are not manufacturing vehicles. We are developing software. Guidant is a software company. And our mission is to improve the safety and availability of autonomous vehicles in a sustainable way. And that is that what we are after. And again, this is a 100% software company. Of course, you need some hardware uh, to do it, for example, on the connectivity side. Thank you. So, Harold, you, you know, you were speaking about your experience there. And of course, your skill set could have been applied in numerous stuff, different industries. What was it in particular? Of course, you say you're, you're a software company, but what was it about self-driving vehicles and autonomous vehicles that attracted you to take your skill set and, and apply that to that industry? Yeah, there are different reasons for that. But one of the main reasons was traffic safety. Um, when you see today that we have, or we can, as guidance, we can address important transportation problems. Number one by far is the traffic safety. Uh, today we have 1.3 million people cut out of, um, the, of their lives <clears throat> globally on traffic accidents. Uh, so the global death of traffic accidents is 1.35 million people on a global basis. So that means we can uh, create systems which know from each other and avoid uh, traffic safety issues. Yeah. So that is one of the main reasons we can make um, we, we can make the um, uh, transportation services more secure and more safe that was one of the second one of the biggest thing second traffic congestions you know we're standing in traffic congestions almost every day and that of course is um, a time which uh, we cannot deploy for our leisure or for business or whatever so that's the, the big uh, second reason we have to address uh, the traffic systems worldwide then you have seen uh, during the um, pandemic and also other situations that we have um, driver labor shortages. There are some areas which people don't want to drive cars anymore. Um, then you have a lot of operational fleets um, and the efficiencies of these fleets are paramount. And some of the fleets are slowed down <laughs> by human drivers right and you know and then of course when you see that every autonomous vehicle is as a basis an electric vehicle we are, can address also a last point to that also the pollution that traditionally combustion engine uh, and traffic, traffic congestions uh, causing so the um, efficient electric autonomous vehicles are more sustainable so it is a complete package of um, making a faster, more effective and efficient uh, transportation system while doing something good for the environment. Thank you. So we're going to move on now and we're going to talk a little bit about CES. We're going to be discussing a bit later on in the podcast the specifics of guidance technologies. But 
You were last week, Harold, at CES over in the United States, the world's biggest technology event. It attracts about 100,000 people over the space of a few days. So, of course, with the technology and software that you're developing and, and implementing, it was you know the perfect place to really network with the rest of the industry. And of course, you know it's not just autonomous vehicles. There, you know, it's, it's a wide range of technologies. But you know, Harold, you know, from the feedback that you had, the speak, the people that you were speaking to, and and sort of looking at what else was happening there, how how was guidance fitting in? to the autonomous vehicle space from what you can see in the developments within uh, the industry and you know what was the feedback that you had from people that you spoke to at the events yeah great question thank you uh, jonathan so as i mentioned before um i have been 40 years plus in the telecommunication industry and i have seen everything from electromechanics switching system to today's everything connected iot business uh, a wide range of activity. The promise of everything connected wherever you are with on any mobile device is getting more real year over year. And there are two major events in the world uh, capturing this or conferences or shows, whatever you want to say to these events. Uh, um, the number one is the Mobile World Congress. Uh, in Barcelona, every year since many, many decades, they attract more than 100,000 uh, participants. This conference, this Congress is focusing on the network side, mostly, as the word says, on the mobile network side. Everything connected ends up at one point in the mobile network. Second uh, biggest event is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, also attracting more than 100,000 people, which I was um, uh, last week, I think it was, yeah, the, uh, in the beginning of the year. And this show focuses more on the user application side, on the apps side, on the use cases side. So you, in principle, marry two shows together. And by the way, they are slowly morphing to Together, the Mobile World Congress on the network side, then driven, of course, by the application displayed in the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. So the, one cannot live without the other. Therefore, it's very important to be at both shows, which, of course, I am uh, over the years. I think I have just missed a mobile call congress during the covid times that was it when the when the show was reduced or uh, cancelled that was the only times in the in the 40 year period so and this is very important what we have seen over the last 5 7 years that the consumer electronics show in las vegas got from consumer electronics like tvs and whatever the consumers normally have actually transitioned into almost an automotive show based on EV vehicle applications and autonomous vehicles. And again, the word vehicle is very important. It's not only cars, it's delivery devices, it's trucks, it's uh, everything what is moving. And Jonathan, during the um, extensive days there, 
we have seen so many in, in, uh, in innovations, and of course they claim that they have uh, the most uh, innovations uh, displayed um, in, in a year. We have seen, and I was there with some colleagues, we have seen not one product, solution or device which was not connected, either via Bluetooth, via Wi-Fi, which ends up in the mobile network. So it was everything connected. So there is no better thing for us to see how things, how devices talk to each other, talk in the end of the day directly to each other or via the internet or via, of course, the mobile network uh, to each other. So for us in Guidant, this was an absolutely important uh, show to see what actually the uh, OEM manufacturers are doing. So I stopped there for a second. So, and then of course I continue. So any any uh, questions um, so far for to setting the stage or contextualize uh, this um, two biggest show on earth? Now, of course, when you were meeting with people at the event, you, you're saying it's starting to morph into one that is focused very much on EVs and automotives. You know, your particular technology, you know, the conversations that you were having with people, how do you see it fitting into the rest of the network that was present there at these events? Yes, very important statement. Actually, therefore, we went there and to validate, uh, you know, what we're doing, we... Um, we, we know, of course, we're talking to many of these um, 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 participants at the show and the exhibitors, of course, also before. We are not just waiting for the shows, but of course, there are many, many more um, um, uh, exhibitors there. In particular, our interest was on the vehicle side, right? We call it the people movers. They look like spaceships. Sometimes we call them the toasters. They look like a toaster, right? Where, where you, you have six to 12. Uh, 14 people getting into, but there's no steering wheel, there's no nothing in it. So we were interested in different areas, the autonomous vehicle as such, the ecosystems around it, and, you know, everything what is around this vehicle. So here's the biggest learning. And that is one um, very key topic for us. A teleoperation solution such as we are developing and putting into the market is key for a successful deployment of autonomous vehicles. There will be no successful deployment of autonomous vehicles or uh, AV vehicles without a teleoperation solution. Why? Because they have safety aspects and there are also regulations in the US and also in Europe, are several laws which indicates that you cannot drive an autonomous vehicles on public roads with some side of uh, oversight uh, from a human. So we call that human in the loop. Meaning that you have, when you operate an AV, that you have to have the ability that a human can assist in case there is a mishap situation. And everybody we talk to, from the big companies to the smaller companies, subscribed um, to the statement a teleoperation solution is key for a successful deployment of autonomous vehicles. That, of course, is a very, very important uh, statement. Second learning and second validation of our um, technology was that we validated that our glass-to-glass -glass latency, 
latency is one of the biggest um, uh, features and the, uh, the biggest safety criteria, of course, we have, meaning how long does uh, a signal travel, glass to glass means glass of the camera in a vehicle to the glass of a monitor where we can oversee uh, what happened actually with the vehicles. This glass to glass latency, we are the lowest in the market. We have not seen anybody, and we have also validated that, which uh, got into the range we are actually claiming. So that of course is a big um, validation uh, as well. Everybody has a, somehow a little bit of different approach uh, to uh, tailor operation. Uh, some um, have um, assisted tailor operation, uh, you know, um, saying that doing everything with software and when the software says, oh, there is a big rock on the street, you have to stop. Well, then the car stops. But we would take over that vehicle and would go around the rock, right? So, and so there are many other aspects of um, of teleoperation and we do it our way, uh, fully automated, of course, then. And when we see an obstacle where we feel that a human have to be involved, by the way, we have also a patent on the teleoperation side, which is uh, very unusual to any of our competitors. And second, we have also a patent on predict and prevent issues. That means we can predict uh, that something will happen. And of course, then our a remote control operator in the remote monitoring and control center gets involved as analyze the situation and in case it's needed um, the operator will take control over the vehicle and uh, maneuver it around um, uh, situations so that was very um, very clear um, validation of our second um, big claim of the uh, latency. Number three, we saw and talked to many vehicle manufacturers which need to have a tailored solution for a particular situation. They claim almost fully autonomy, but they say, well, in some cases, we better would um, have a human validating it as well. Right in specific cases, crossing a public road, uh, going into some dangerous areas, or whatever. There are many ideas from these manufacturers where they said, "Well, we would like to have a tailor operation solution involved in our vehicle, in our software." And there are actually also requirements uh, from the regulator to put that in. And that was the number fourth big uh, learning is that. <clears throat> We anticipate in the future that this software, and of course the software is not alone um, the, uh, the the product, it goes together with uh, the vehicle components in the car like sensors, um, cameras, uh, LiDAR, everything what um, is a part of um, an autonomous vehicles these days, that tail operation software will be a part of the central um, control system of an autonomous vehicle. It will be integrated. And that, of course, for us is perfect. We can integrate our software, and that, of course, scales the business. We can integrate our software in such kind of platforms. We are agnostic to 
any of the you know, uh, boards or uh, software solutions uh, the car manufacturers or the vehicle manufacturers are building. And, um, you know, we can put, uh, you know, our software with the um, um, interfaces which are necessary for that into um, any of the vehicle control systems. Fantastic. Thank you. We, we will discuss specific applications of that technology a little bit later on in the podcast. But obviously, we discussed there, Harold, you gave very detailed information on you know, how the technology works. But, you know, you, you've got three main solutions that that technology is, is, is put into. Um, would you be able to run us through those quickly and just a little bit about how each one works? So you've obviously got the remote monitoring control center. Uh, you touched on the low latency video streaming, the glass to glass side of things. And of course, uh, there's an additional one in the regenerative shock absorbers. Would you have just give us a, a few words on, on each of those? And then we can go on to discuss specific applications of, mm, of each. Yes. Yeah, we have another product, which is, of course, also patented. So we have, as I mentioned before, we have in total nine patents now. In the company, of course, for um, you know a young company, this is a lot, and uh, we have to thank also Tech Capital to help us uh, there to file uh, patents and make sure that our IP is protected. Um, and one of our product that goes more into the uh, sustainable kind of mission I mentioned uh, before that we have the mission to improve safety, which I just mentioned. Well, with the remote monitoring and control systems and the human in the loop, but doing that also in a sustainable way. And in this sustainable way um, is that we want to uh, generate energy from uh, movements in vehicles with, which are normally uh, dissipated. They are just going into nirvana and this uh, one of this um, one of these movements of the cars are uh, from shock absorbers. When you imagine uh, sedan cars or trucks or whatever devices, they have normally shock absorbers. So we have a system and a patent, and of course we talk to many uh, companies at the Consumer Electronics Show. As I mentioned, right, there are many vehicle companies, and they're displaying their chassis. Uh, and the components, and guess what? Every chassis and you know has uh, shock absorbers. Now, our shock absorbers goes because of the movements, up and down movements of cars, which coming from the energy from the chassis of the car, like let, let's say a sedan, 5,000 um, curbs at pounds, up and down, and of course, the roughness of the road so there are two elements going into the shock absorbers and that movement of the shock absorbers, we generate energy with. We put that energy into a generator. The generator uh, turns out electric energy and gets that into the, uh, again, into the battery management system of a car. In the end of the day, the benefits of that from one charge, let's say, uh, uh, a sedan, 60 miles an hour on a 
on a normal road. We call that class A road. So that's are the roads you and I travel almost every day on. Um, would then generate power shock absorber 100 watts. And this 100 watts in the end of the day times four or how many shock absorbers you have in different vehicles can create up to eight to 12 miles additional range. That of course is a big range extension and many of the car manufacturers and of the OEMs uh, delivering to car and vehicle manufacturers are very interested in this technology. So we have prototypes, we have our own lab where we can prove and can demonstrate different roughnesses, so to say, of the car, of the roads, but also different weights of the car so that we can see what energy per shock with our technology, with our patented technology, we can actually generate. And you can imagine there's a lot of companies wanted to uh, test it themselves in their own lab and then get, uh, hopefully, very quickly to a deployment. So that is one of our products where we say we can um, have, or we have an energy harvesting product with a regenerative shock absorber. Thank you. So now, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking, Harold, if we may, at some of, some of the applications for your technology so far. Um, so I believe you're obviously based in, in Boca Raton, but one of your most recent applications for the technology was, was actually on the campus where you're based. Yeah, or where we are based in the future, right? So we have signed a lease there at the Boca Raton Innovation Campus a huge uh, business campus. Um, this campus is the largest business campus in Florida and had pre-COVID 10,000 people hosted there. So it's a huge campus. And uh, the campus is kind of, a, I, I would say, a Google-like, Facebook kind of campus, a huge area, um, very nice amenities. There are, you know, um, um, uh, gyms, uh, you know, uh, three restaurants, a conference center in there, and very nice architecture, by the way, from um, Michael Brower. That was the former IBM headquarter uh, in in Boca. Uh, a lot of history done there, right? So uh, that would be another podcast. You know, what is the history <laughs> of the of this uh, building? So actually, IBM did develop there. Uh, first uh, and showed that first to the world um, the uh, desktop and you can imagine then later on uh, many people were there from Bill Gates over um, you know uh, Mr. Apple so to say right so uh, everybody uh, you know Steve Jobs of course I mean uh, you know they were all there and discussing uh, with these people in this campus there are now many companies also startup companies and in this campus we are going to uh, put our new remote monitoring and control center in. So, um, and of course, in the world, there is already innovation campus in there, right? And since it is big, uh, one of the application, the management team, very visionary, by the way, um, the general manager and also the CEO, uh, they said, well, we need to get rid of the combustion engine bus uh, buses uh, bringing people around the campus and also to the nearby uh, railway station. 
ah, we want to do that with your technology. Okay, fine. We signed an LOI. We are con we are discussing and we are negotiating the contract right now to deploy their uh, autonomous vehicle shuttle services in in uh, geofenced areas, right? So they, there's a big campus, but the but we have also to cross a public road to the nearby railway station, and they want to deploy autonomous shuttle services. Wonderful, right? So that people uh, can uh, use that, and of course, uh, you know, see um, that you know can do that also on demand, so that they don't wait in the heat here during the summer, you know, on the bus stations there, right, or on the on the bus stop stations, and can do that on demand. So in principle, it is um, a geofenced area with one. Uh, crossing public roads um, with low-speed um, autonomous shuttle services um, with a fixed route. A perfect uh, application for us. And actually, this application is the first application on autonomous vehicles we see almost everywhere today because we are far away from a big, huge deployment of autonomous vehicles level five. So total autonomy. We are far away from that right now. But in geofenced areas, this is a way of moving people around. That is one um, underpinning of our um, go-to-market. But there is another one. A university comes um, uh, comes to us. Another university very close to us um, were asking about that. Then we were with one of our demos in uh, in the TV uh, stations here in the area, and then a big country club came to us and said, "We want to move people also around in our country club, and we don't want to do that with the big buses. We want to do that with agile, small, autonomous vehicle transportation services. Wonderful." Right, so it, it there are areas like when I talk about geofenced um, uh, business campuses, university campuses, residential areas, hospital hospital areas, right? And so these are all first move advantages, and on top of this, um, also uh, smart cities where they have selected small routes, for example, the restaurant routes, the um, the, the, the medical route, right, where they transport people from their homes um, to certain doctors or to some malls or uh, certain restaurant areas. So that is another project we are working on. And while I'm on this, we won also at the end of last year our first RFP with the Jacksonville Transportation Authority uh, up north from Boca Raton here in Jacksonville, which is a smart city project. We won there with our tail operation solution. So these are in principle the applications we see so far. And um, since that is in geofenced areas, we have also now uh, created within our technology that we have several, uh, several mechanisms to connect. So it comes back to connectivity, which we started on, right? Uh, everything is connected. So we can connect in principle to three different mobile um, services. Number one, to the public mobile network. Number two, 
we can create a private mobile network in a geofenced area based on certain uh, standards, which we have here in the US and might come also somewhere else. In the US, it's uh, CBRS um, uh, standards. And number three, uh, satellite communication. So uh, hopefully we can do that also low orbit, then we can even drop more uh, of the latency down. So in principle, public mobile networks, private mobile networks, satellites networks. So, and then of course, the key of that is that we can handle bandwidth, um, dynamic bandwidth uh, there, and we can also make sure that we can switch between the networks to assure reliability and safety. So I think we are the only company right now uh, in that market, in that field that can do that. That's fascinating, Harold. Thank you. So what I'd like to do now is, you know, we're, we're going to finish off after this with, with looking at, you know, what guidance we're going to be doing in the in the year ahead. But before we do that, Harold, it'll be, it'll be good you know, to get your view on the autonomous vehicle market and the driverless market and, you know, how you see it progressing from, from where you are now, from, from where guidance technology is and, and you obviously knowing how the industry's moving to a situation that, that some people would look at autonomous vehicles at, well, at one point in the future where we have a lot of driverless cars uh, on the road and you know, how we get to that point. I mean, what, what's the roadmap from where we are now to getting to a point where you know, people are getting into cars and, and basically not driving them themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me set the stage on this. Um, so the, the problem to be solved and, and what we believed and what we see is the following. Um, and it comes back to that, what I said earlier. Autonomous vehicles have the potential to address important transportation problems. But there's a catch. The promise of being fully autonomous is overstated. Unless concerns about safety, availability, and operational cost, and public trust, by the way, this is one of the biggest things that people still thinks, think that autonomous vehicles are not safe, right? We need to gain public trust. Uh, this needs to be addressed. If this is not addressed, the AV industry will not get off the ground. That is for sure. And the belief systems and the benefits of the AVs will be not will be delayed and also they will be not realized. So we have to work on number one, making sure that people think and see and experience that there is a trust in autonomous vehicles, that we can um, get the operational costs down, that the availability is there, that there is no range anxiety, for example, and that we address public safety. Right. Um, so, and when we solve these um, problems, then we can get into full autonomy. From my point of view, we are many, many, many years, if not decades, away from fully autonomous vehicles everywhere where we are and where we see cars on the road right now. So, at the moment, there is no deployment worldwide on fully autonomy. So fully autonomy, let me define that. That means vehicles uh, driving around uh, public roads everywhere in the public environment without uh, steering wheels, without pedals. So you are not, so the vehicle is just driving itself 
with the technology we talked about, right? And of course, from our point of view, with a tailor operation or a human in the loop solution of any sort. So that will take some time. And we see that the first approach, coming back to that, what I said earlier, is that we started and we see it everywhere in the world with low speed vehicles in a geofenced area on fixed routes. That seems to be the beginning of everything. And then with that, we gain public trust. We see that we can get off the safety driver in some vehicles. We reduce the operational cost, the availability, and all this kind of stuff what I talked uh, earlier about. And with that, we can also then solve the traffic safety issues, <clears throat> reduce the global death, traffic congestions, labor shortages, everything what I mentioned uh, before. So that's how I see the industry evolving. We are in front of a wave. It will happen. It is happening. <clears throat> what I saw in Las Vegas showed me that this industry is alive and kicking. Yesterday, I saw uh, an announcement also from one of the teleoperation companies that, um, that they did a round A investment, and that was the biggest investment uh, so far in teleoperation solutions. So with other words, what I saw happening, or what I see happening at the Mobile World Congress last year, last week, <coughs> sorry, last week in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show, and seeing in the market with all our interaction on a daily basis with different uh, providers and vendors, it's happening. It's happening small, small step, we are in front of the wave, but better in front of the base bed than being crushed later on when you didn't, when you don't start. So we started and um, we started in the area I just mentioned, in the geofence area, low speed fixed route areas. Um, so that's my my view of fully autonomy. Maybe fully autonomy never happens, but uh, we are believing <clears throat> that it will happen, that we will see a world in the future that a vehicle know from each other and also driving, uh, you know, uh, autonomously uh, through the cities and uh, through the countryside. <clears throat> that's what I believe, um, um, Jonathan. That's great. That's great. Thank you very much, Harold. So to finish off now, people that are listening and, of course, digested your views and, and what guidance have been doing, what can you point them towards as, as particular milestones or key achievements that you'll be looking to make over maybe the next year or the, or the year after as, as you develop your technology and, and find more applications and, and begin the rollouts? Yes. So one of the big uh, things for this year is that we building our second remote monitoring and control center in a real big way at the Boca Raton Innovation Campus. So we have the space. Uh, it is very important that this building is a class A building with uh, independent power supplies and uh, hurricane uh, earthquake proofed and we're moving into that building and building our second remote monitoring and control center. This is one of the key uh, milestones in the first quarter, second quarter of this year. So we're building that up with a huge video wall and, and, and making it, uh, of course, state-of-the-art. That's uh, one thing. 
Second thing, we need to deploy. We have a couple of customers um, um, which we have to deploy our solution uh, and integrate our solution with. These are the customers which we won, Jacksonville Transportation Authority, with a certain vehicle they choose. Number two, uh, the, um, make sure that we have the, the contract signed uh, with um, the vehicles we discussed for the Bocaraton Innovation Campus. That is also an integration to certain vehicles. <coughs> we will also address um, and investigate other vehicle types where we have to integrate our solution. This is a big milestone for sort of the beginning of this, uh, the, the, the half of this year, so June, July, that we are also uh, select other vehicle uh, companies to see whether and then integrate our solution with and then work uh, with major manufacturers to um, integrate our software in their um, vehicle um, uh, control solutions. So um, that, of course, are the big uh, milestones. The smaller milestones are, of course, make sure that we have <coughs> our roadmap, uh, our development roadmap um, defined. We have a workshop coming up next week uh, in the company where we have certain features, which goes from ideas to the roadmap, the technology roadmap, and so that we make sure that these features, like video stitching, for example, putting different video streams together to one big video stream, right. so make, making sure that these functionalities are um, in, in the roadmap. So um, that is one uh, big thing. And then, of course, winning customer. We need to scale the business. Winning customers. We have so many opportunities, but we need also... Uh, you know, make sure that the company grows with the opportunities and that we can fulfill our obligations. Therefore, we are hiring. So we are hiring, we are hiring people in the software uh, spaces and in the software area uh, and in, um, in sales to interact and make sure that um, we can deliver on that what we want to deliver and uh, make sure that we rock the market. Indeed. Indeed, Harold. Well, that's, that's been fascinating. And just as a note... To listeners, if you want to find out some more information about Guidance, do check out the notes to this podcast where there'll be a link through to their website. We'll be able to find further information on the, the key elements that Harold has outlined, including their technology and some of the uh, the news updates that he's touched on there. So, again, that will be a link in the notes to this podcast. Do, uh, do check that out. So, Harold, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure, pleasure having you. And just as a final note, of course, Guidant is a portfolio company of Tech Capital listed here in London on AIM under the ticker TEK. Thank you very much for everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.